This is Fight Together. My name is Zach. I'm joined by my co-host as always. He is the uh, Rick and Morty director, the Teen Titans Go director, Brian Newton's with us. How's it going, Brian? Hey, Zach. How's it going? Good. Uh, mm-hmm. We also have video essayist, um, Kim on Critical Bits, Struggle Sessions, Strucci Movies. Uh, you know her as Shannon Strucci. How's it going, Shannon? Doing good. Excited to be here. Nice to have you back as always. And our special guest for this episode all about neurodivergence and neurodiversity. Uh, first, we have returning Carol Grant, uh, who is a screenwriter and writer on Vice, uh, IndieWire, Waypoint, Medium, a whole bunch of others that, that uh, sites you've written for. Carol, how's it going? What up, homos? It I, Carol. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nice to have you, I'm Carol. back. <laughs> <laughs> nice to have you back. Um, we're and we're gonna have a lot to talk about. Uh, we also have joining us for the first time, uh, Tommy Ray. How's it going, Tommy? It's going good. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, nice to have you here. So this is your first time on. So we need to ask, um, how how did you find One Piece and uh, your whole One Piece backstory, so to speak? Yeah, so uh, it was one of those things where I got I got into anime very very early. Um, you know, it was expo- I, I saw Ghibli stuff kind of before it was all you know mainstream, which sounds like a hipster thing, but that means that you know I I got into a lot of stuff late because it wasn't very accessible. And uh, One Piece was one of those things that it really hadn't come over here yet, and I had heard so much about it, and it uh, finally started being released in English around the time where the four kids dub came out. (laughs) And uh, I, so that was basically the kind of issue there was when you're becoming a one piece fan, basically the, the local anime community kind of only knew it as the four kids dub, which I guess, gosh, what, when was that? Like 2003, maybe? I don't know. I know it was before 2005. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2004, 2003, because I remember I was in college at the time. Yeah, so it was one of those things that I got into, and it was really hard to find any friends around me to get into it, but that brings me to Shannon, because (laughs) I I met Shannon through one piece talking about it on, like, LiveJournal, you know, a million years ago, so it's kind of uh, fitting that I'm here now. (laughs) I and guess, I should like, mention 2007 uh, probably is when Yeah, we probably met. around Sorry. that time. 2006, 2007. I was just going to mention Tommy that you're an artist, a writer, a cosplayer and lots of really cool Venture Brothers stuff. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you're you're in good company, I think. Uh so so that's cool. Um do you want to tell us a little bit about I I guess that's I gave a very very quick overview but a little bit about what you do and a little bit about your background. Oh, I'm just a freelancer who kind of jumps around from this and that, just doing whatever, whatever interests me. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't really have a huge, interesting career going on. It's more just doing all the uh, interesting things that I'm giving opportunities to do like this, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, no, that's awesome. Um, so. Carol, I think you put it very well about what we're going to be talking about here today uh, with neurodivergence and neurodiversity. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the floor if you want to 
if you want to take it. Okay, thank you. Um, so aside from being a massive transsexual, um, I am also on the spectrum. Uh, I have I was diagnosed like late in my life with autism spectrum disorder, and uh, like as soon as I got that, I was like, "Wow, now my entire life makes sense." And what it was, was that, and I began to learn more about it, like, over, like, the few years. Like, I only first learned about it, like, around 2018, early 2018. And now I'm, like, I've been having to play a lot of catch-up on a lot of the terms. So it's still sort of new to me, but I've I've learned a lot just from uh, being with the community and hearing from other people, uh, group therapy sessions. So basically... uh. Neurodivergence, which autism uh, fits under the umbrella for, is basically uh, any sort of uh, neuroatypical way of processing information and the world. So a neurotypical person is someone like, it's like how a cis person is someone who is not trans. Like neurotypical means that you have, that's, you don't have the quote unquote like the disorders from the D- DSM and you process the world normally, which there are a lot of uh, connotations in like uses of the word normally, which we will get to. But uh, basically, uh, uh, the, the kinds of people who would be listed under neurodivergent are uh, people on the autism spectrum, uh, people with... Uh, it used to be Asperger's, but recently uh, the DSM changed that so that Asperger's fit within the autism spectrum disorder. Uh, bipolar, uh, schizophrenia, dyslexic, OCD, ADHD, like pretty much any sort of way that is basically a a different way of processing the world as we know it is an example of neurodivergence and there's a whole lot of diversity to that divergence and we're (laughs) going to talk about it yeah and i think shannon uh when we were going through ideas of of what to do in in this season of fight together i had to look up neurodiversity and neurodivergence even though i i guess i fit in that category as well and um do you want to i guess uh shannon you know what kind of stuck out to you with neurodiversity as it relates to one piece i think it's a topic that um uh and and like we're doing a special mini series about one piece right like talking about either artistic analysis or like marginalized groups or special groups or whatever and i think neurodiversity is something that's overlooked a lot and that i thought would be interesting to talk about and have people on to talk about um and I think, I mean, Carol had also talked about this when we were planning the episode, but like the way Luffy sees the world and interacts with the world, I think is is uh, a character who is very easily, like he's coded neurodivergent. I think that would be fun to talk about and, and talk about neurodivergence and fandom in relation to One Piece. Because there are other aspects of One Piece that fit into other like aspects of mental health or whatever or trauma but neurodivergence is something different and that it's more um geared towards celebrating the differences or looking at them as just a different way of viewing the world and i kind of wanted to bring that in and talk about it and also i for like for the episode or for the record or whatever i have like diagnosed ocd and i'm one of those people it's like i probably have adhd too 
But I, I wanted to also try to get a, a group of people who could approach this from different angles. You know, like I'm not on the spectrum, but I wanted to make sure we had people on who could talk about that, as- that aspect of it as well. Agreed. And I'm not copying Shannon, but I have the, the same <laughs> diagnoses, which are only in the last couple of years. And Carol, I think when I got my diagnosis, it was kind of the same thing. It's just like, oh, that makes a lot of sense now that that's okay. how you know. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, wow, I have all of those things. OK, that's that's a problem. Um, just looking at the checklist and being like, oh, I, I've known I, I like since I was a little kid with OCD. It's definitely like weird, like uh, habits and compulsions and stuff. And it's much more lately, like that someone else I know that I'm close to got diagnosed with ADHD, and we have the exact same. Like, I don't, I don't want to call it problems, but you know, it's like okay, I need to get tested like this year. Honestly, <laughs> uh, day of my diagnosis is also is akin to uh, the day that I found out that I was trans. Like, I would lump those together in terms of importance because it was mm-hmm. like, oh, now I have a language for the way I've experienced either the world around me or my body. And like, I feel like for me, especially, they can be very tied together. They intersect in very interesting ways. Uh, There's not a lot of media that talks about that intersection, at least not directly. Mm -hmm. The I honestly, my favorite piece of media that goes through like sort of the connection between feeling something is off with your body and feeling something is sort of off and different with your mind and how you process things is uh, Kingdom Hearts 358 over two days and the character of Xion. So if if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, you probably know what I mean, but I've talked about this on uh, Twitter. I also wrote a piece on Medium about uh, that game and its importance to me and how I sort of see myself in a lot of the characters in that game. So yeah. It was one of those things where as soon as I got the diagnosis, it wasn't just a, oh, that makes sense. It was like a wave of relief. Like, okay, now it's not just that it makes sense, but now I can like actually talk to people about it and like spot it whenever I'm thinking in certain ways. And also Mm -hmm. like in some ways, like now that I know it, I can better celebrate it instead of thinking, oh, I'm weird. I don't know, like, what is wrong with me. Now I'm like, oh, no, this is an actual thing. And also, like, there's nothing super wrong with it because it made me who I am. And I am pretty okay with who I am. So, yeah, that's a that's a whole part of it. I, I mean, I like the language around atypical, the typical and atypical, although I, I think you know, human beings, we all have our brains wired differently, whether we know it or not. Every single, oh, I, yeah. I, you know, I'd, I'd venture a guess to say everyone has their brain wired in a slightly different way. And being able to understand why, you know, you're processing things a certain way is, yeah, it's like, a. I guess it's like almost like a huge burden off your back thinking like, oh, okay, at least there is an explanation. Well, one for- of the biggest... Sorry. Brian, yeah, go ahead. No, oh, no, no. Yeah. I, I, I was just going to suggest that or, or indicate that one of the biggest tragedies behind all this is the fact that a lot of this research and uh, understanding behind neurodivergence is really recent. Like, I'm probably the oldest yeah. person on the podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, I grew up and I spent my entire educational experience and nobody ever talked about this. Like, yeah. at most, it was like autism or not even autism. It was uh, Asperger's. That's the only classification anyone ever. Uh, discuss and I had a, a friend growing up in elementary school who we would like describe that way but I'm sure he has more uh, neural um, 
neurodivergent patterns that we just didn't have any classification for. And like, I have friends who are bipolar, uh, and like, it, it's definitely the, this is definitely the topic I'll have the least to say about. I'm only going to be mostly <laughs> listening to just other people's stories. And if anything, chime in on when character traits from one piece start popping up. I was like, Oh yeah, I can see that. And that kind of like makes sense to me. Well, that brings I, up something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. You guys. Uh, I was, yeah. was going to say, uh, so would I would I be correct in assuming that a lot of you discovered uh, a personal neurodivergence like later in your life, like uh, adulthood? Yeah, because um, mm-hmm. it's it's I have an interesting perspective that I didn't really realize that I had until I started connecting with uh, other people in my late twenties and stuff. Uh, I got diagnosed very very early, like beginning of elementary school, because. Uh, I, my dad has ADHD and he recognized it in me like instantly and was always mm. like, you know, just keeping an eye on me and seeing if he like recognized any other stuff in me. So I, I've been like diagnosed with maybe like seven, you're seven years old. Oh, wow. So I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. I forgot to turn that off. Uh, so it, it, for me, it's kind of like, it's really hard to pinpoint like, you know, an, an aha moment for me. Because it was always told, it's like, okay, you have ADHD, and I. But I guess for me personally, I, it was, it was interesting because things the re, you were right about the research. Um, you know, it it isn't until, I mean, maybe two years ago or something that people started talking about uh, RSD, which is rejection sensitivity dysphoria, which is how when you get any kind of criticism, even if it's just kind of like you did bad on a test or, you know, you you talked out of turn, you internalize it and you just like turn into like a depression heap and you that, don't know what to deal with it. And people that, are like, oh, you're oversensitive. Mm, and that it's, sounds it, a lot like a friend of mine, for sure. Yeah, it's it, yeah. It, it, it's mm-hmm. it's not like a personal thing. It's just like this like weird chemical imbalance that like hits you like a pinata. It's just it's it's ridiculous. And it's only recently that they've really realized that. You know, it's not people just being oversensitive. It's like a legitimate thing. So, it, yeah, just being diagnosed since I was seven, it really didn't give me much perspective other than, you know, you're the you're the kid who can't control themselves and can't pay attention. You know, it, it wasn't very useful other than, you know, maybe being on uh, medication during school time. But that's that's about it. So everything useful I know about having to how to manage it and stuff has only been like discovered in my later 20s and all that it it is kind of uh, you know it crazy how um how recent this has all been i mean i i I, you know could piggyback on on a lot um on a lot of folks here that it was only within the last few years um but like the vocabulary didn't really exist you know, maybe even five years ago, ten years ago for, for oh, a lot of abs- these things. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I think one of uh, the big problems I had when I was first researching was I, uh, when I uh, found out I was autistic and I was starting to do my research, I, I like many people, when you Google autism, got uh, caught up in a website or an organization called Autism Speaks, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. has a lot of controversy behind it and, and for, for good reason. Uh, at first I was like, oh wow, this is explaining in a way that I can understand, so like I get it. 
And then it wasn't until later that I learned that Autism Speaks, and and this will lead into uh, another facet of neurodivergence that's really important to talk about. Autism Speaks is a really toxic organization that thinks of autism as a disease that needs to be cured. And the thing about that is like, well, hang on, I don't want my autism cured. I mean, I get... I get frustrated with my autism sometimes because it's one of the things that can keep me from landing a job or socializing with people more easily. But as far as like, I wouldn't be able to like write the stuff that I write or be into the stuff that I'm into or process like the stuff that I love without autism. So no, I wouldn't want that quote unquote cured. Absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong, Carol. Like this is an organization that's probably been around since the 90s of like concerned yeah. parents kind of deal right probably i i'm not super well versed on their origins just that like a lot of people when they're first trying to learn about it like they're the first one that comes up because they mm-hmm. have a lot of money behind them uh, even uh like this is a weird thing to go to but like a filmmaker that i really like uh alfonso coron the mexican director yeah. of gravity uh, and uh, roma children of gravity men. children of men yeah, yeah. Uh, he's yeah. also a uh, he's a frequent spokesperson and a donator to autism speaks so it's like jesus christ but that was really sad to know but uh other other than that uh everything that i had to i had to unlearn some of the stuff that i learned from that website kind of briefly and just you know actually talk to like i found quote-unquote neurodivergent twitter and that was when i began to more better accurately categorize and vocabularize myself and my own inner going-ons so yeah that that's one of the big issues is that like even in like the dsm like you know it's considered a disorder and i mean that's not 100% wrong but it's also like a lot more than that because it's like I wouldn't want to call like my autism a disorder and I and I understand I'm somewhat privileged because I'm a little bit on the higher functioning side of the spectrum and the reason why it is autism spectrum disorder is that no two autistic people are the same and you've got this whole spectrum of either higher functioning or even lower functioning people who are all like really valid within that spectrum and have their own uh, struggles and beliefs and, like, perceptions on things. There are some autistic people that actually do, like, see their autism as a disease or something that they would want to be cured. And that's why they might, they themselves might even flock to an organization like Autism Speaks. And it's, it's very, uh, it's very uh, complex. There's there's a lot more to it because it's not just something that can easily be lumped into one thing, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there there are people too who don't even like the terminology of like high functioning versus low functioning. Yeah, are there yeah. people who it's are very like limiting, said, in opposite yeah. direction who are very self loath who are very self loathing about it versus people who embrace it more. And that's a bit like trying to research ADHD, a lot of the resources I found are for parents that basically just want to control their children. Yeah, And it's like, that's yeah. not and the same thing with autism. It's like, how do I make my child be quote unquote normal and I don't have to deal with it? It's like, well, I'm a person who has this. Can you, I would <laughs> rather have resources. Like I have it either way. Like you said, it's not, it's a completely different way of viewing the world. I don't think you can, you, you wouldn't even necessarily want to cure it or need to cure it. Or if you did quote unquote cure it, you're just completely rearranging your brain in a way that 
affects you. It's very different from something like anxiety or or stuff that's a much more simple, you know, quote unquote, chemical imbalance. And and Um, that's that's very common in any disability community, mm -hmm. having people, you know, having people being like, I want to get rid of this. Other people being like, no, this is part of me and it's something that I wouldn't trade for anything. You know, it gives me perspective that I love and things like that, you know. So it's it's very hard to sometimes find common ground when you have someone who feels like it's it's just too much for them to deal with with everything else that they may have going on in their lives. You yeah, know? because all, all of that is valid. But then at the same time, it's like another big part of that is the way that society treats people exactly. who mm-hmm. do not fit the neurotypical model. Because they are the ones that uh, reinforce the uh, ster- the harmful stereotypes that uh, could uh, really hurt people who are, who are neurodivergent. Like neurodivergent people would could have a. I I think I heard that like ninety percent of autistic adults have trouble with employment. It's like stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. I remember there was a period of my life that was like you know as much as I like my autism if not having it allowed me to have steady employment i i would strongly consider it because of just the issue with that but that's not autism's fault that's the world's fault I for think. not wanting <laughs> yeah. to accessibility treat us as people. issues yeah yes. Yes. yeah especially in in america at this time and place i think it's james baldwin who pointed out like uh, america has a real problem with people who quote-unquote misbehave Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure there are countries in the world where well i don't know i, I have absolutely no idea if there are countries in the world that that treat that 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 don't look at it that way and, I mean, and don't that, uh disadvantage people yeah i, I mean like this is just the order of how societies organize is the fact that like people who usually uh are able to achieve power set the agenda based on what they consider typical or what they consider normal so well, I was, I, I guess to, I, I, I'm, we're going to keep this discussion going, but like to loop things into anime and One Piece and manga and all of that, um, I mean, even, even well before, you know, finding out more about myself, you know, I, I know that the anime community and the manga community has, and conventions and, and all of that have always been a real haven and also sometimes the exact opposite of a haven. <laughs> uh for for those who are neurodivergent it can be your angle or your devil (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes um and with one piece i'm just like thinking about you know the atypical and how prized atypicality is for for luffy and and in one piece so you know i'll I'll to we, we could you know you could take this in any direction you want but like um have has that ever stuck out to you and is there anything else in the series that sticks out to you as like embracing the atypical mentally uh because i remember like when you first brought this up i was like huh i don't know if i think because it didn't like jump out at me right away but then when i thought more about it, i was like oh no yeah luffy is absolutely atypical on like a neurological level like there there is so much about him and uh what what i really like about luffy if you're going to see him through the neurodivergent lens is that uh usually when you have a, a neurodivergent or at least autistic coded character uh they are uh the rain man uh, savant character it's mm-hmm. how you get shows like uh the good doctor for instance and uh 
where where the thing is like oh this autistic person has such a brilliant mind that they can see things in the crime scene or in the in the medical room that all other detectives and doctors can't see. And didn't and Monk sort of, have OCD too? It's not yeah, yeah Monk had OCD. So, being, so he's so OCD, he's a good detective. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the Ben Affleck movie, The Accountant, is all about how being autistic gave Ben Affleck, like, basically superpowers. <laughs> oh, no. Yes, I mean, Wait. That's, that's such a common trope at this point. Is that, no, is it, that what it's how- very... It predates that movie, but I remember, like, it's treated, like, in such a crazy way in that movie that, like, even a movie like Rain Man wouldn't even touch. It's kind of incredible. Is is the series House also supposed to be the same concept as that? I'm just remembering yeah, that just show an asshole. He's just, oh, he's just an asshole. I don't think okay. typical. Yeah, he he see, he seems like he doesn't like anybody who seems to be different. So I I don't think okay. so. It's been a very long time since I watched that, and but, like you, you could song, probably if you wanted to go through like headcanon stuff and somebody seeing like traits of themselves, then yeah possibly but like if he's intended to be that way no he's not intended to be neurodivergent i'm trying to think of magical doctors and detectives and will graham from hannibal is will graham he's he's not a terrible example of it but he's definitely has uses his autism he's a better example like a Mm -hmm. like less problematic i I like will graham but Mm -hmm. yeah there i think there's more going on with a will graham than something like uh that kid in the good doctor who every time i see clips of that i'm like this is bordering on spectrum face (laughs) it's it's really fucked up yeah it's not it's not cute i I have Uh, never heard of that series i'm just (laughs) looking here go ahead sorry oh uh oh gosh i was gonna say um we're talking about oh yeah uh different representations you know if if we were going to talk about uh the way that kind of stuff is stereotyped you know if you're not the rain man stereotype where you're you know like a an asset to the neurotypical people in some way you're usually kind of typecast as the problem and yeah and so it's you your your representation is usually very fraught that way but if you you know if you if you talk to what sort of people see in different characters when they see themselves represented but not explicitly represented like if you talk so many people i talk to who are autistic you know including me see uh like dale cooper from twin peaks oh yeah that's a good one for sure is like the heroic version of autism that isn't like you know uh, a problem in any way it's kind of like these are all these traits that i have that could be useful and it's not like made in a way of being like see this guy can be used in some way he's not useless you know that's kind of one of the 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 problems that we have and luffy luffy's like that too where his his uh qualities line up with the the qualities that we see in ourselves that are you know we we used to kind of be like no we're you know this this isn't like uh the worst thing that could happen to you you know these are the things that make us us and these are the things that give us our you know values yeah i mean the for for me and with ocds particularly since i'm definitely more with the i check off every obsessive one the compulsive most but uh, some but not all um but like the chopper's flashback and robin's flashback in particular really pop into my mind as um you know feeling like that 
you know, it, having that internal struggle as to whether you deserve to exist is a lot of times something I think that that goes through your mind and or goes through my mind. Um, and the I, I think with Chopper in particular, in particular, Luffy reaching out and saying you're cool for all your differences. And the same with Robin, uh, obviously, in that moment, the the I want to live moment. Um, in Ennius Lobby, like having those kind of um, affirmations from from the main mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. I think really speak to me. Um, uh, you know, I could only speak for myself. I don't know about you guys. I know we talked about in either the queer or trans episode, like Frankie telling Robin, like no one is born wrong yeah. basically like i think that that to me can it, also it's apply not a crime to, the, to exist it's yeah, yeah. To, to just yeah. be yourself and exist yeah that was very for all, i guess a lot of different levels for me personally that was very affirming or very like something i think is good for people to hear well i and think that ch- oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead oh uh I, I think going uh touching on something that i kind of wanted to talk about why i can be brief about that is when you're saying that these characters are giving each other affirmations you know the the main crew all seems to their their value to each other is their very hyper specific passions that they have uh that they yeah. all kind of see the value in that rather than you know all of their backstory is sometimes like you know oh you're too obsessed with this you know it's too much we can't deal with it you know your 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 goals are just you know not achievable and uh, the Straw Hat Pirate Crew is very much like, no, I, I see your passion. I see you. Um, we we all value each other. Let's let's go forward together. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking the same thing because it's ever everyone have has these pipe dreams that are literally laughed at by other people. L- yeah, like hyper fixations. Yes. Yeah, which is yeah. a very common thing in uh, autistic people. And you can also contrast that with like other crews and other organizations within one piece which are stressing conformity yes mm-hmm. oh yes That's true absolutely yeah and there's also there's i yeah. forget the character's name but the guy there's like the little omake where the guy is interviewing zoro and luffy and how they like barely survived because they didn't know how to <laughs> I, I love how that, to cook yeah. how to like fish <laughs> and stuff and it's funny but it's also like everybody has their own levels of like executive functioning and what they're good at and like some people are more or better at things than others and it's played for laughs but not in a demeaning way yeah it's just like everyone is different no one has to be like um like hyper capable or whatever we just all have our our like his uh yeah. the, the speech that luffy gives in arlong park too i think that's it's like luffy and, yeah, and zoro don't really know favorites. how to take care of themselves on a basic level but they're still cool that's, <laughs> like, that that speech in arlong park exactly was- that speech in Arlong Park was the one I was like, oh, yeah, I'd follow Luffy. He's my captain. Yeah, yeah. 100%. Absolutely. I, I, uh, think the, I, I think that's like it hits to like one of the core themes of One Piece, and it's the you're not alone, and we could depend on each other for the things that we personally can't do. Um, like the, the inter, interdependence, I guess not codependence, but interdependence and a, um, a affirmation in, you know, you not being alone in, in a particular way of being, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, another thing that, uh, makes Luffy absolutely a, uh, headcanon, uh, neurodivergent representation is, uh, it's kind of considered a stereotype, but but uh, it's 
a little bit true because I've also had issues with uh, socializing with people or sometimes even reacting to people inappropriately. Um, Luffy will sometimes say the wrong thing <laughs> to someone. Like, he's he's not the most sensitive to, like, uh, offending someone if they're, like, if they want to, like, keep things very stable. He'll just blurt out whatever is on his mind. And uh, even though it is kind of played for laughs, like, once you, usually when these characters actually begin to, uh, it's like how he would uh, call, uh, I forget her name in, her real name in a Fishman Island, a Wimpy Hoshi. Shira Hoshi. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Shira Hoshi, yeah, you'd call her Wimpy Hoshi, and it's like, that's the kind of thing that could have easily been, like, it's kind of rude, and it's kind of mean, but you know that for him, like, he doesn't mean it in a mean way, it's because, again, yeah. he sort of thinks mm-hmm. of it in a different way from everyone else uh so usually at first people have that initial oh i can't believe you said that to me luffy you're such a jerk which you know is a thing that happens but then once you get to know his actual values and what it actually means to him then it's like oh no i i get where you're coming from i get how you would process it that way that luffy has this very noble spirit at heart even if he sometimes may not be the best at expressing it, like, through yeah. words, he's incredibly good at it through actions. Well, and, and so, he, he apologized to Shirahoshi later, too, because he he understood what she was going through, too. And so he has the yeah, compassion yeah. there that mm-hmm. he can say, okay, I was wrong about you. So there's there's he's never really demonized for the way he acts, just kind of like, you know, oh, that's Luffy, you know. And that's refreshing. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, Luffy will never apologize, and uh, he'll sometimes, uh, even when he speaks out of turn, people are like, yeah, that's our captain. Yeah, That's just how he is. I think because, like, especially by that point, we're already halfway through the series, that Oda's built the character up to a point where we know that there was no malicious intent. He's not mocking her, because he doesn't mock anybody. Uh, yeah. who doesn't deserve it but like like even like uh rob lucci you think he called like boss cat or cat a couple of times or pigeon yeah. guy that's what you refer to <laughs> pigeon that. guy. Pigeon, yeah. well, that's because he was very into the pigeon right he's like, it's the pigeon behind it all uh but like i think oda's gone on record saying and this is evidence within the series like he doesn't give a luffy internal thought that's why he's so yeah. reactive yeah he adds. never has a uh, thought bubbles yeah which and that's I a, love. It a conscious choice to do that but it also makes the punches like when luffy does do something inappropriate or just like on a whim even funnier because you know that he is not thinking about the way other characters within the series or even other shonen protagonists would analyze and debate and kind of like second you know it's just and then when luffy's like no i'm doing this and it's just like you laugh because like this is who the character we is and this is who the character we love it's that yeah it's not even like it's uh making fun of him for doing that it's just uh it's considered a a quirk that yeah. he has and it's definitely like considered atypical but everyone knows that uh it's not bad yeah and, you know? he, and it's, it's incorporated within the well. narrative and the writing of the character too so it helps. it's also the whole crew has different levels of i guess like social acuity or politeness yeah. or it's yeah. like it's not yeah. like everyone Definitely. else is super socially that's like frankie's really loud and like this character's more mani- manipulative or that you know or like sanji does insult people very much on purpose especially zoro it's just like a, a nice uh variance in personalities robin's, robin's very quiet and blunt mm-hmm. 
Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. some plot. <laughs> yeah, with a weird, like, uh, with her, like, weird morbid, morbid sensibility. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it it it's that you know that um the fact that all of their little quirks and obsessions all play off of each other in, in such a um f- uh nice and f- and um I, mean, I don't know the word I'm trying to think of but like it it really brings up the friendship between them is that they are able to you know but all accept each other for whatever whatever it is that their personality is and you know being accepted for being different and atypical i think is like one of the most important themes in one piece if if not like it, the theme it's interesting because like i i think i've mentioned this before why like i love jimbei but he's still like not my favorite character or even not within my top tier straw hats i think that's what he's missing from me. he's kind of missing that one specific uh neurodivergent quirk I think all the other crew members possess in some way or fashion, but he doesn't, or at least maybe he does, and I just don't see it. Yeah, yeah we, we just haven't gotten to it yet. More, mm-hmm. we're go- I feel like we're definitely going to get more uh, of Jinbei fleshed out now that he's a, an official part of the crew. Yeah, because he, he has to figure out like what makes Jinbei Jinbei. Like, so far, the only thing I can think of is like his obsessiveness to for a rigid... Uh, order and honor which could which more comes across in like a cultural sense but you know there could be other things working to that like maybe he's over apologetic when like the straw hats break things even though it's not his fault <laughs> yeah he's he seems, very polite he seems more of like a parental figure than like part of the chaos yeah yeah mm-hmm. which robin started Absolutely. out as and then she got she let her guard down and got <laughs> more weird and then law kind of became the straight man i like that that robin just gets weirder and weirder it's like oh that's so cute yeah she opens she's, she's, she's like, like coming into her own she's blossoming yeah, before everyone, her eyes it's everyone so caught that like after in this lobby she stopped referring to him as mr like uh she i think she called like zoro mr bushido she called nami yeah. miss navigator but after mm-hmm. in this lobby then she referred to them as their uh as their their names well, even that hesitancy, I think, to, like, let her guard down, I think, is a good representation of what a lot of people do go through mm-hmm. in trying to figure themselves out. And Robin, obviously, you know, went I, through a lot. I actually really, really want to talk about this now that we're uh, on the subject. Uh, I think, uh, much like how I was talking uh, the other week about how I think that Robin is a really good uh, analog to... Uh, to a transness. Uh, I also think that uh, Robin is a great example of how to explain masking to someone. Oh, I was about to bring that up. I was like, yeah. Yes, because uh, what, what masking is, for people who don't know, is, uh, and it's part of the reason why uh, some people may be diagnosed way later in their life, because they either like consciously or subconsciously learned how to mask their autistic traits. Because what happens is... They start acting the way that they normally do in society at a very young age. And then they realize that people are reacting to them like, no, that's inappropriate. You're not supposed to do that. Then what you do is that you start to act yourself into a completely different person Mm. than you normally are. Overcorrection. Yeah, a lot of overcorrection, a lot of like maybe even like the dissolution of your own self-identity or even just like when you're out in public you have to like put in a whole lot of effort to act a specific way and then it's only when you're at home that you're able to like unmask and actually act like yourself or stim or whatever it is that you do that you can't do in public because 
you just learned early on or maybe even later on that it's like I need to mask the part of myself that are deemed unacceptable in society so that I can appear as a regular person. This is actually something that is handled really well in the indie game To the Moon, where there are there are two autistic characters in that game, one being uh, the this uh, man's love interest, who is uh, who is more free and uh, more on the Luffy side of like just acting however she wants. And then there's another one who works as an actress. And she says, yeah, I became an actress because I'm also on the spectrum and I kind of had to act my whole life. Like, my entire life is all about performance and learning, like, tics and learning to act like a quote-unquote regular person. And it's it's something that uh, I think uh, Robin exemplifies very well, where, again, she acted like a very different character when she was around people who she didn't trust or would betray her or just like, you know, she ways that would make her more acceptable in the social roles that she would put herself in. Yeah. Cause and you it's only make- when she's with Luffy with the crew that she gets to be herself properly. Well, mm-hmm. you can't even see this evident in her backstory. When she was hanging out with the scholars of Ohara, she felt comfortable. She smiled. Yeah. Like even her personality yeah. changed. And then mm-hmm. after, uh, the tragedy of O'Hara, she like after being betrayed, like you said, after she was betrayed so over and over again, she adopted into this cold, uh, somewhat manipulative. Yeah, yeah. She slowly, yeah. gradually began to mask over the years, which mm. is a way that like a lot of other uh, autistic kids do just through social interaction, not even just like someone telling them, oh, you have to act this way. It's more just like, you act one way, you see that people don't respond to it well, and then it's like, oh, well, if I act like not myself, then mm-hmm. I can get away with whatever. And is it is it always like sometimes it's people telling you have to act a certain way, and is it is it like and, and the other half of it, I guess, is trauma induced, right? Because that's I would say the case yeah, of Robin uh-huh. is trauma induced. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I don't think I had heard of that either. It's it interesting how Robin is the the avatar of uh, so many different things, but it's I'm I mean I th- I think it is fair. Robin I'm, is I'm the like avatar of, of my soul, good sir. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting we're getting to the to the meat here. I, I was also I, I was also thinking, and I I know Shannon, you brought it up before, but like I. You know, all of my experiences at, at conventions and with the fandom, like, I think anime and manga and, and One Piece do help really speak to a to a fandom. And it definitely helps, as someone who gets obsessive, to, you know, that there are a thousand plus chapters and all these things you could, you know, really dive into. Um, but, I, you know, I, I'm wondering... Uh, you know I'll, I'll i'll ask shannon first you know just like how it speaks uh, speaks to you as a fan if that makes like sense a, like being a fan and being neurodivergent or like the my experience in the fan community your experience in the fan community it is, it is pretty like wild just how dense one piece is and how rewarding it is um 
as far as something you can hyper fixate on or whatever. Because I've been, I think that was that's been my past thing this past year. I've gotten really into Lupin the Third, and it's really good, but a lot of it is also just really bad or dated or, <laughs> or like the TV specials are terrible. It's like there's forty something movies, and I'm not gonna watch all of them. Because I, I think that would just, like, crush me because some of them were so terrible. Whereas One Piece, like, there is a consistent level of quality and depth there, to there's it. There's some bad stuff. <laughs> there is some bad stuff, but, like, oh, mostly you don't even... Mostly consistent. Mostly, mostly yeah. consistent. Like, we, I, you know, I can just pretend Fishman Island didn't happen or whatever. Just my particular arcs that I don't like <laughs> didn't happen or certain uh, offensive scenes. But the, the depth of it and the depth of the fan base and how long it's been going is so rewarding and it's also something i mean i've talked about this before that i've like made friends through that i've known like including tommy or, or including other people i've known for like 15 16 years like about half of my life through it and i and it's been so wonderful i mean it sucks obviously that people have been stuck inside but a bunch of my friends have gotten into one piece in quarantine because uh, it's so big and yeah. it's something to get into um and it is something that's like really beautiful and rewarding. And even though there are aspects of it that we, especially on the trans episode that we talked about that are upsetting or, or offensive or hateful, like overall, it is a story about embracing the other and embracing difference, which has meant a lot to me, especially when I was a little kid, like trying to understand myself or trying to understand being different or feeling different and having that affirmation of like, you know, you're there's nothing wrong with you or you're just different and you'll find people one day who will accept you. You'll find your people. That was like such a beautiful thing to have. And I think that's meant a lot to a lot of people all around the world on, on mm-hmm. this topic, specifically on neurodivergence and being different that way or being, you know, just like other uh, ways. That, yeah. Just kind of ranted, but yeah, it's been, it's, I've no, been no. reading it since 2003 and I've made so many like lifelong friendships through it. And I've had so many cool opportunities because of it. It's just been, I would definitely be a completely different person Are if I hadn't any- picked up a Shonen Jump. When I was 12, you know. Uh, Shannon, would you say, are there any other series you can possibly compare it to that has a very similar emotional appeal for that concern? Um, I mean, I really like Mob Psycho 100. Mm -hmm. And I would say Mob is definitely autistic coded. Um, yeah, mobs more so than oh, a lot of one piece characters. But, but, but with Mob, it's, it's not as like huge. It's more limited. Like I love, I think. Mob Psycho is such a beautiful, uh, sweet series that like encourages you to be a better person when you read it, and it's so beautiful in how like uh, people should accept each other's differences, like with the Body Improvement Club and Mob and stuff. Um, but I can't think of anything yeah. else that's quite like One Piece, just because it has so much going on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, or just he's drawing from all sorts of different uh, cultural styles and. Mm-hmm. Uh, cultures i i don't know i i kind of lost where i was going there but yeah yeah i mean that's a big part of luffy though is that he loves to explore and he wants to know everything about even if he doesn't really understand it he wants to like understand what people's problems are um what their passions are what they're going through and he's like very very accepting of all of these people he meets who are Mm -hmm. you know either normal or just weirdos he treats them all just like, you know, you were, you were interesting to me. I want to know more. And I think that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think to uh, he, I think he uh, is a uh, close cousin to another anime character who I consider to be uh, totally autistic, which is Violet Evergarden. I don't know if any of you have seen that show or read the light novels. I don't even. But Violet Evergarden's. Violet Evergarden's whole thing is that she decides to become a uh, letter writer, an amanuensis, 
so that she can understand other people's emotions, which for a long time she had trouble understanding. And it is through uh, speaking in their own words and writing their letters through this like Victorian, like Edwardian uh, space that uh, she begins to not only learn about other people and other and their emotions, but also herself and how she processes her own feelings and that there is sort of this connective tissue there. This It's also something uh, speaking of uh, autistic characters on TV who I quite like. I'm sure that most people are familiar with Abed from Community. Yes. I'm, I'm sure mm-hmm. yes. Brian the, is also aware yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I actually know the real Abed, too, who's a, who's a friend of mine. Yeah, he, he seems great. Yeah, he's um, good. And uh, there's a, a standout episode in in that show where, uh, where uh, Annie, one of the other characters, starts to play in Abed's uh, Dreamatorium, which is this little play space. And you see the way that Abed processes information in that space. He opens up this little closet where he made this quote-unquote machine out of cardboard tubes and brooms and buckets that that sort of shows how he filters the information of other people through himself. And there's a scene where, like, you know, Annie is saying, like, she's getting upset with him, saying that everyone bends over backwards to walk around eggshells with Abed, like that kind of thing. And uh, what happens is that she tries to force empathy on him, and it causes this entire dissolution of his identity. And uh, I think that, like, that's another good way of uh, of looking at it, is that uh, a lot of people assume that autistic people are people who are born without empathy, or at least that's one of the things about us. And it could not be further from the truth. It's either, like... We just have a different way of processing that empathy with other people. Or some of us have almost too much empathy to the point that we are very oversensitive. Um, this also leads to uh, bringing it back to uh, Luffy. Uh, I, I remember I read somewhere uh, that uh, there was this uh, Quora question that was when I was trying to research that... They read somewhere that being sensitive to injustice is listed as a trait of Asperger's slash autism. And people are like, wait, where did you hear that? <laughs> and uh, they, no one ever found like the official text where this person asked it. But yet a lot of people were like, no, actually, that makes sense, though. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. because one of the ways that uh, autistic people are born is that, like, you know, we... Or at least I, in, in my experience, have processed the information of like, this is how you act in the world. These are the rules of the world. And you try to act within them, whether you're masking or it's like you're trying to be polite to someone. And this is how, like you say, you, it's like how there's the gifted kid issue where someone is in school, the gifted kid who is in all the honors classes. And then once they get out into the real world they cannot function and they realize that it wasn't made for them. Like they, like all of the stuff that were advantageous to them were only in that school environment. Mm -hmm. Um, So like we are told at an early age that, you know, Hey, stealing is bad. Like being racist is bad. All these different things are bad. And then as you grow older, you realize, but 
all of these people who do steal and are racist and are shitty people manage to be successful and it makes the blood boil. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like a discrepancy in like the worlds that we were taught as kids. Like th- that's not supposed to make sense. Like we're supposed I'm- to share. I remember exactly. when, when I was five, maybe younger, but definitely five. And like uh, either my dad or my friend's dad, when you say, hey, that's not fair. And someone tells you life's not fair. And I was always like, why do people accept that? Yeah, exactly. And and that's why Luffy is definitely within the spectrum in my eyes, is that Luffy is someone who cannot stand injustice no matter how he sees it. It's like, because the entire thing is just this whole found family punching fascists together. That's the appeal of the <laughs> yeah, show. And, and That's and what we like, should have named this series, by yeah, the way. I just and, and, to, and to kind of coach it with the theme and with Luffy specifically, it isn't like, oh, I didn't get the, the candy I wanted and that's not fair. It's like something happens that's tragic and wrong and sad and you say and, and people pe- just let shrug, it happen yeah, and they just yeah. shrug their shoulders like oh well that's how life is sometimes well, well things happen for reasons and people make choices and you know just running with it and saying like well there's nothing you can do about it it's like nah that's that doesn't track to all, me. all of uh, luffy's uh solutions to problems are outside of the box of what is considered polite society which is why it's perfect that this is a story about pirates because pirates were people who you know they flew in the face of a social norms and conventional wisdom and even like gender like you know there were a lot of uh, trans and gender non-conforming pirates as well but uh him it's all very much of a piece with luffy's identity that he is not at all like he never accepts injustice whenever he sees it luffy punching that celestial dragon i think is like that the blood boiling to a to a T, mm-hmm. um, and Luffy, and and all the things we're talking about, Luffy kind of coming to that moment, like that entire sequence is some of the most scene I had ever felt <laughs> in in something. Yeah, I, and I, th- you know, I think as I said at the beginning, I think we all, you know, I I'm I'm not trying to whitewash, but I I think we all have some atypical behavior whether you're neurodivergent or not. And I think we all kind of aspire to be that person who doesn't give a crap about what other people are thinking and and having that righteousness. And I think what Brian described, that five-year-old self, like, why can't the world, why isn't the world fair? And that seeing that kind of character, um, I think, representative, especially toward those that are neurodiverse, I think that's such a cool thing. And I, I'm this is true, you know, for for transgender representation in One Piece, uh, gender representation in One Piece, uh, and LGBTQ representation, but, like, there are a lot of parts of the world that get One Piece, and that One Piece is extremely popular in where those other concepts are not accepted or are very early on in their development there. And it, I, I find it so cool and so heartening that these important, the, when they're done well, 
the the messages <laughs> that you know about acceptance and the the um, beauty and difference and atypicality is there for for all of them. Um, and I was trying to I, I asked you, Carol, and everyone else before the before the show. Like I was trying to think, have there been in the way that there have been some bad transgender portrayals in One Piece. Have there been, has there been anything like that in neurodivergence? And I couldn't think of any. Um, yeah, like, you don't have, like, the Rain Man-style character, the the good doctor-style character. No, it, and I think that everyone, it doesn't talk down yeah. to, to anyone. That's, that's all I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, because that's another thing I love about uh, Luffy, because, you know, as much as, you know, I love Abed, and I think that he is a very well done example of a uh, neurodivergent, uh, clearly autistic character. He also like a lot of his speech patterns are very like still like reminiscent of like the kind of speech patterns you see autistic people in media yeah. use a lot. Honestly, if yeah, I had to the, pick who, the robot voice, yeah, the robot voice. Yeah. If I had to pick uh, what my favorite piece of autistic representation is uh it would have to be futaba from persona 5 because uh you know persona problematic on many many fronts and i've been vocal about all of that despite being a fan of the series much like how i'm vocal about one piece is problems despite being a fan uh futaba though i think is like such a uh perfect uh example of it because she's goofy she she has a lot of these flaws and issues with socializing with people and even like sensory issues like when you like the her wardrobe is very much apparent because i also have a sensory issues with touch sensory processing disorder that's a very common autistic thing uh her wardrobe is very like loose fitting clothing sports bras like stuff that uh prioritizes comfort sensory comfort over um anything that's quote-unquote stylish even though futaba still manages to be stylish on her own but also she's just like this very energetic bouncy little gremlin and that's what i love about her is that she's not like she's not just considered like the robot girl who's really good at uh tech and that's what luffy is to me as well luffy is bright and he doesn't act like he's some emotionless monster. He's goofy and vibrant and doesn't let things get him down. I think that that's another important thing about if you're talking about a spectrum representation is uh, what kind of person, because if, if it is the spec, the spectrum disorder, why are we not getting the full spectrum? And we're just focusing on this one part of the spectrum yeah i was thinking too about um in whiskey peak where he gets upset at zoro for fighting people because he's like they fed us he doesn't realize they're all assassins or whatever it's kind of his his, like sense of justice kind of getting in the way or like being a quote-unquote problem but it's just a part of his character it's not like the end of the world they work it out pretty quickly and it's it's he's being consistent and Zoro didn't really communicate what happened. Well, that's the only right. time I can really think of where it's like, like I said, a quote unquote problem, but it's just a natural part of the character and it's resolved pretty quickly rather than being like, oh no, Luffy's 
looked at things wrong again and we have to slow down and figure it out for yeah. him. He's just, ba everybody loves him and, and it works. Yeah, based on everything we know about the world and that character, it's perfectly reasonable for him to make that a association at that mm, point. For sure. Luffy's nothing if not an extremely consistent character. I can't, like, trying to think of any other example of him acting kind of out of, you know, anything like that even. Out of that, turn, out of yeah. left field, yeah. Yeah. Um, like, he can surprise you for sure, but only in the oh, sense yeah. that he his entire manner is surprising to, like, the very established order of things. Yeah. He's a disruptor. When mm -hmm. when Luffy surprises you, it's because the narrative is surprising you. Or, yeah. He, yeah. or, like, he can have a very literal way of thinking. Like, uh, one of the mm -hmm. funniest gags in the whole series to me is when he sees the zombie and he just, like, pushes him back <laughs> on the ground. He's like, no, you go down here. You belong here. Like, that's... It's not making fun of Luffy. It's not saying, look at this horrible idiot or whatever it's just it's oh he's very literal he doesn't know what a zombie is so of course he'd just be like they're there and like try to put him my back. my favorite is when he's been interacting with a uh, soga king all this time and then it's like Usopp, where were you <laughs> <laughs> yeah him and chopper like it's hysterical and everyone else sees it but it's like of course they process the world this way they see it this way it's not it's a gag but it's not like a hateful well, gag or you know uh, no yeah another one that's similar is like think about his entire motivation during the skypea arc is just like i gotta ring that bell for that old man so he stops diving the ocean mm -hmm. because the the thing he's looking for yeah. is in the sky the whole time he 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 get i mean i this is a, something i also relate to but he gets fixated on a thing he does the thing and that's it. That's all there is to it. And and it's it's yeah. All, if Luffy said, "Oh, all of a sudden I'm really into trains," then guess what? It's not even One Piece anymore. Now it's the the train show. <laughs> it's all about train pilots. <laughs> you yes, you can't stop yeah, when, when Luffy has. Yes, yes, exactly. It was Frankie's backstory. Actually, was all about that. Yeah, Tom's um, anyway. Tom, or maybe Tom was more about it. Um. <laughs> Tom did get hyper fixated on making that train, and he made that train. But it's yeah, also like you know, put yeah, <laughs> putting but putting your mind to uh to something and accomplishing that thing over and over and over again. Like that's also really a um a, a trope that comes up in this series, and I think it's also that what you know, it's it's those typical shonen uh, themes, but I think done in a really uplifting yeah, it's positive definitely way lensed for, for those differently here because, yeah, because in a lot of other shonen anime it's like the power of persistence and friendship wins out and with this there's so many uh social yeah. and cultural factors going on with these characters yeah. that you can't help but think about despite how, how they like, stand seemingly yeah. direct and simple like luffy is i feel like it's actually way more complex uh, mm -hmm. Than compared to other shonen series, like I, I always had this analogy that I, during the time of the big three, I was trying to explain in the narrative principles behind them, and where, like a uh, Naruto wanted to be the Hokage because acceptance, but he didn't really know how to get there, so he's just he walks into the forest, he neanders for a while, and he comes out the other end, he's the Hokage. But like with One Piece, there's a path. So it's like, I want to be the king of the pirates, and I know it's on the other side of that force, and I follow that path. There's no neandering thing, because everything Luffy and the Straw Hats does keeps them on the path. That's why Luffy's yeah. such a consistent character. It's like, you can see the path, you know this force is in the way, but we know once we get to the end of the path, 
that's the One Piece. And most shown in series simply because of the nature of producing a weekly format and, you know, always not having the end goal in sight. You get lo- most series will get lost in that force for a while until like uh, uh series over uh they achieve their goals uh flashback or to the you get a character yeah. who's like, the like. M- <laughs> <laughs> uh, or you get uh, the meme of like how Ash Ketchum is like I'm gonna be the Pokemon master yeah. and just proceeds to lose just that, about every that's tournament. why <laughs> I I was so disappointed in Pokemon like uh like season one of Pokemon I dug. But then, like, when it became the same thing over and over again, I was like, okay, we're not going anywhere with this. And with Bleach, the analogy is uh, there's no castle at the end. It's just you walk into a a dense forest, you get neandering for a while, and then I guess you stay in the forest. (laughs) I think you stay (laughs) in the forest. Well, that was a fun hike. It's a nice forest. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because, like, at least with uh, Naruto and One Piece, specifically narrative-wise, you know what the end goal is going to be. Yeah. I I I I like this I like this analogy of the hike through the forest. Uh, but I, I I yeah, with One Piece, you're you're never you're never lost. You're always heading toward that thing. And a lot of I know a lot of fans are wondering like, oh, will he go back to do this? Or you know, it's always marching forward. Luffy's never gonna you know go back the other way on the adventure. Um, yeah, and it would yeah. break his character and the other characters within the series because they all have very much a, a directive. And in this sense, like I don't know if anyone here would be uh, of 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 willingness to say it's like could that also come from maybe how uh, Oda processes the world too? I think it's possible. I, I don't uh, know enough about Oda to uh, diagnose him, and I probably wouldn't want to anyway. That's like diagnose Oda. <laughs> well, sometimes it's very hard to, like, understand what his, like, point of view or motivations is for some stuff that he writes. Like, I think Shannon and I mentioned this, where it was kind of like, it seems like he ha- he'll have, like, one perspective, and then it kind of, like, flips, and you're like, wait, what? What happened here? It's kind of like whiplash. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. I think he really... What I can say about what I've noticed about him is he's not into the machismo that a lot of other shonen authors are. He, you know, yeah, he, he always he's shows people. To be silly. Yeah, he's he's willing to be silly, and then he's always showing these like you know these pirates who are just like every time their captain cries, they all cry, and they're you know they're very yeah. invested in other people's plights, and they can mm-hmm. be you know moved. These stoic characters can be moved to tears just by you know honesty and. Um, it seems like he he really he too has a sense of justice, and sometimes it doesn't always uh, come out correctly the way that he portrays it. But then he'll kind of you know later on he kind of fixes it with another plot point that you know it it, it clicks a little bit more. So it seems like he's like Luffy; he's always kind of trying to learn and better and understand where he's been and where it's going. Yeah, because like. We can mm-hmm. point out characters who are like uh, neuro uh, neurodiverse within media, but then it's like, what about people who are also neurodiverse who create media as well? That, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, I know, you know, yeah, because have- it uh, like another thing is like if you watch like a lot of like maybe classic Hollywood, for example, it's like how many of these people were just undiagnosed their whole lives because the the language just wasn't there, you know. Right. Like, we'll totally. never know. And, and That's something that we can only and, think about. Yeah, and authors and, you know, famous playwrights. 
I know for me personally, like, I mean, I make my living as a video essayist. I basically just get really intensely obsessed with something and then write about it. And then people give me money on Patreon. That's honestly like how it's yeah. worked. It's just like monetizing hyperfixations or I get really intense, like unhealthily obsessed with something. And also I think having OCD plays into how particular I am about editing to where sometimes I frustrate myself. Like I'll export something and there's like a tiny thing nobody would notice, but I'm like, I have to fix it before I upload it. I know, like I said, at least for me, that's impacted my art. And I know Oda is so, like, it, it's, uh, I, I, again, I also don't want to, like, armchair diagnose him, but his interest in so many different cultures and historical stuff, like, it's almost an inhuman energy and curiosity about the world. He seems so hungry to, like, learn. Yeah. Um, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he was on some level neurodivergent. Whatever that neurodivergence is, will leave up to uh, him and yeah. uh, his own privacy. <laughs> like, but there's so- there's something Oda does I've always appreciated because I I do the same thing when I have to produce a, a ton of characters. Like I never like the characters to be the same. It's like they mm-hmm. have to. Everyone's got to be different sizes. Wear their outfits differently. Uh, head shapes, body shapes. And then obviously, if I'm mixing up genders for whatever reasons, like, yeah, obviously, it can't just be a bunch of dudes unless it's specifically like I'm doing like a women's hating boys club. Then, yeah, obviously, they have to be all little dudes. But like, so the fact he goes out of his way to when he does like crowds and armies of characters, like yeah, every character he draws is different. And it's kind of amazing. And mm-hmm. I, I said so there are two points about that. One, I remember on um, one of his previous when he was an assistant, he drew everyone in the crowd the same and got in trouble for it. And that's one of the reasons he's like, oh, no, I got to draw everyone completely different. Um, mm. But al- but but also, I know I've he- you know, from what I've heard, you know, Oda is kind of Luffy, you know, and I think that makes complete sense, too. So absolutely mm-hmm. all the stuff we're saying about Luffy. I mean, look, we, we don't know Oda. He doesn't really even show his face. He is a man with a fish for a head. Um, but, you know, at the same time, through his work, we know we know, I think, as as Carol said, whether done perfectly or imperfectly, um, you know his sense of justice his righteous indignation his um his curiosity for the world around yeah him. It's, it's Shannon, and yeah, the enthusiasm it's... and sincerity like there is nothing senate like one piece itself is one of the most sincere works of art there's so much like love in it and enthusiasm and like uh, embracing weirdness and otherness that i don't know if i've seen in anything else and we mm-hmm. and we talk about hyperfixation too and I, I also obviously relate to this as well but like I, I know he was in one of those videos. He's describing his uh, drawing process through like a color spread or uh, or a picture that he's that that he's putting together, and he knows how each of the characters are reacting to each other in this scene that he's making as he's making it. And I feel you know I I feel a lot of resonance at least with the idea of being so enthralled into a world as. Yeah. As you're creating it or thinking well, about while it. While he's drawing, it. he's thinking about what the character's thinking about. That's something like really good artists do as well. And you can also use that as an example of people who may be uh, neurodivergent in any way. Is that like, I think that makes the art better is the fact yeah, that they're right. and, and like what we were mentioning before with like a uh, hyper with intense empathy. You need empathy to understand how different people, especially people with wildly different personalities and cultural backgrounds might react to a situation. Yeah, no, I agree. Something else Absolutely. I love about about 
Oda Oda's art and his uh, wide breadth of interests is um, the the outfits that he designs and the clothes that he puts people in is just like it's like god tier for me whenever there's like a new color spread and there's like an amazing outfit i'm just like this dude like could could honestly put together like a fashion thing and i would you know buy it immediately it's we were just talking about uh last sunday about all the jackets everyone was wearing in in the winter spread yeah it's like yeah it's like uh, so you know some people say you know oh people with autism will uh kind of use use a character that they like as a blueprint for how they kind of express themselves to the world uh, for me personally 100 oh, yeah for me personally i'm like i want to be a one piece background character like i just want to be that person you point to and they're like hey that's a good outfit like that's, that, <laughs> that always spoke to me i just like yeah that's something i love about I, one piece. I just want to wear frankie's cyborg hentai sweater <laughs> jacket i'm i was like yeah even that frankie jacket specifically i was kind of like I hope they make these jackets. <laughs> I'd buy a couple. And, and we could just talk about the chapter There's 1009 There's gotta be at least one on Etsy, I hope. <laughs> I have a Frogno Hippo bootleg. Uh, Same. Yeah, tank that top. one's I, It didn't fit very good, but I, I was like, I oh, still God, need I have to find to that this. shirt, too. I, completely off topic, but I know I love the idea of merchandise in the series that you could get in the real world um if that makes sense it's like that joke in 30 rock where it's like what if you got a button on your remote that you can buy whatever you see on tv yeah like if you're watching (laughs) sex in the city and you just have to have mr big spaghetti right (laughs) (laughs) love that show um (laughs) forgot about that line um yeah no i it's it's unbelievable the meticulousness and and the fact that he also is able to draw from things in, you know, like, let's say, Rayleigh in Chapter 8 or something coming back in Chapter 500, you know, like, that kind of stuff, like, that is, you know, uh, that, that takes a very certain, you know, brain to be able to even do. And, you know, 100%. I think... And what and Jimbe was mentioned like way back, yes. like in Arlong Park, and now he's finally a crew member. Like, holy shit, that's the long con right there. And and he's also good. I, I think Jimbei's a kind of cool example because he he's a you know, and, and we talked a lot about this in the race and politics episode, the very first one we did. But you know, taking your expectations and throwing them upside down, like, oh, all fishmen are evil. Oh, no, wait, actually, humans, you know, messed up, you know, life for fishmen, and that's why this is all like this, and, and so on and so forth. Like, I, I think his ability to take biases that you might have going into going into this and, and flipping them. So if, if yeah. you're like, oh, Luffy's dumb, he doesn't know what he's doing, he's just going and he's punching things, and it's like, he will take that bias and show you, no, Luffy's actually really knows what he's doing, and he has all of these characteristics we've been talking about yeah, this it, last it, hour. It's super impressive, because you know he had to already built that world before he showed it to us, like the whole uh, Shabadi Park deal. The fact yeah. he knew he was going to do discrimination against Fishman. And, I, and we talked about that on that podcast as well. Like Even during Arlong Park, I was like, Arlong's operating off of something I thought a lot of people weren't catching at the time. The fact he prostrates why fishmen are the best. Fishmen are so great. Humans are worthless. And I'm like, if you're all so great, where are you? 
<laughs> and I was like, yeah, yeah, he's operating off of he's uh, uh he's co- he's overcompensating for something. Mm-hmm. Napoleon complex. I well, guess. it's it's interesting too. Uh, I think another touch on maybe uh, Oda's uh, his worldview through Luffy is that Luffy's always ready for someone to redeem themselves. Like he's he gives people the opportunity to show you know you you punched me in the face before, but you know maybe you know we had a misunderstanding and you can show me that you are a, a person that I want to uh, ally myself with. Yeah, it's like uh, Robin wants to join the crew, and everyone's like, but she was just trying to kill us earlier, and Louis's like, okay, you can come. <laughs> She's funny, whatever, it's cool. The chopper impression is really funny. She does the hand thing. The hand thing is great. <laughs> He's not wrong. No, exactly. <laughs> That's right. Um, so, so are there any other, um, you know, topics, characters, anything else that, you know, pops out at you that we haven't mentioned? Can I talk about the humor in One Piece and Shonen in general that I think One Piece really nails? Yeah. Um, yes. So a, a a trait of autism is not understanding satire or sarcasm or sometimes having the jokes go over your head. Uh, something that made One Piece absolutely hilarious for me is that for some reason, they when they explain the joke, it somehow makes it funnier. So... A lot of times Luffy will just like explain what is happening in his like, you know, shocked reaction. And that somehow makes like the visual gag funnier than it would have been without his reaction to it. So I found that very interesting and accessible. And I've talked to other people who said that the humor in One Piece feels way more accessible to them than some other things. I I could totally see that. Yeah, that that makes sense. I I often mention how... One of the reasons I think the humor in One Piece also attracts is because it's so broad, and that makes yeah. it a little more relatable. Because like I have a lot, I have a hard time introducing a lot of people to certain animes, even if it's a comedy, because humor is so cultural. Like I, I was, I had a, I worked with a woman who was a uh, a background artist uh, for a show I was with, and she grew up in uh, Russia, like oh, slightly mm-hmm. over the me, so like USSR Russia. And, like, she would work on these shows, but she wouldn't, like, Family Guy, for example. She was a background artist on Family Guy, but never got any humor. Because all the humor from Family Guy, especially of that era, was all, like, you had to have been, like, growing up culturally in America through at least the, like, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s to understand it. And uh, uh, Japanese anime does that a lot, too. Like, unless you're kind of, like, in the know of you've been indoctrinated, a lot of the jokes are just the way people interact will go through your head. But, like, with One Piece, because the characters are so broad, and Oda goes through the stakes of, like you were saying, Tommy, just, like, take you through the joke sometimes. It's like, how could you not understand that? How could you not, like, pick up on that fact? Like, hey, he, he literally is like, hey, this is the joke, this is funny. It's like, you have a friend who tells really bad jokes. Yeah. <laughs> and kind of, it, like, it's laugh basic, at It's basically time, like yeah. uh, the the eel in, in that meme picture of going, eh? Yeah, exactly. Eh? <laughs> eh? <laughs> eh? <laughs> eh? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And somehow that makes it even funnier. Like, oh, I can't hate you. Oh, it's so good. There's such a the in thriller. <laughs> it's what I aspire for, really. <laughs> in Thriller Bark, where Robin refuses to do docking and she says it's embarrassing oh, yeah. as a human being. Like she says it twice in the anime, I think, and for some reason just her repeating it is so hysterical <laughs> to me. <laughs> like it makes it ten times funny. Oh no, or just or like the crocus joke. Especially oh, in the yeah. anime, oh, it just God, keeps genius. going on and on and on. There's something one. about that that is just like so funny. 
Yeah, it, it's that thing like of when you you repeat a mm-hmm. joke enough that like it goes to not being funny and then circles back around to being funny. Uh, it's like the story of the Everest sheer... for Mister Show that just keeps happening and keeps happening, and then it gets funnier <laughs> and funnier. That yeah, it's well, like, you came in here looking like crap, haven't said very much. Yeah, you can say that again. <laughs> that that principle has a name. Uh, I forget what it's called, but like in comedy, you also do rules. The Simpsons too. one, the with the rake with over well, and over and over. What's great about that is like literally they're using the same audio like eight different times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 the principle I, that when it's repeated enough, it gets funny, then not funny, and then really funny after. Yeah, it gets and, funny and, again and, after yeah. a while. You have to yeah. find that sweet spot per joke. I think to, yeah. to, to Tommy's point, it's like you have these different characters as well with different ways of seeing the world, and Luffy has his lens. So sometimes if if he explains the joke or it, it's explained to him, it, like it, it makes more sense. Or like Robin has her like morbid, weird sense of humor, which sometimes she's not even necessarily trying to be funny, but then it's like the way other characters react or process information. Sometimes the gag comes from that. Yeah, or just like, like they have such different points of view. Like Usopp's always freaking out, and he's like, "Stop saying that." Or Usopp's a constant. I'm afraid yeah, of this thing. Yeah, I actually remember uh, because I I'm sort of slowly going through the anime. I'm usually a manga reader for One yeah. Piece, but I've been like going through some of the Funimation dub on on One Piece, and I was at Skypea, and I think Robin like said something that was considered like off color, and Nami was like, "What? Why?" And then it's like. Like she, she doesn't even understand that the thing that she's saying is about like the water or the clouds being turning red with their blood if they died. Yeah. Is that? Mm-hmm. A, I remember yeah, that. Yeah, I think something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> a normal thing you say about your friends, you know. That might have been the yeah. first time she she did that gag. Absolutely, yeah. I remember yeah. that gag in Thriller Bark a lot, and it was like, oh my, this is a great. We're seeing a great part of Robin now. I think, as Carol, you put well, it, like, you know, her coming out of her shell. One of my favorite Luffy's is, uh, he hasn't done it recently, but when uh, they try to explain something really complicated to him, and he just kind of like boils it down, he's like, oh, so it's a magic mountain. Oh yeah, he doesn't understand it at all, and he just has something, they're like, it's close enough, just, whatever. Yeah. Just punch the guy. Oh, I can do that. Yeah. Or like, when they were going below to Fishman Island, and like, Nami's explaining really complicated ocean current stuff, and like, not even just Luffy, like, all the men are just like, yeah, it's it's magic, <laughs> don't worry. Yeah, there, it's, a, yeah. it's a mystery mountain. Yeah. I, I mean, one of the... I, I mean, we talk about Luffy with the empathy and also, and on the other hand, just like the, the surface level, I, you know, I don't even like quite know how to describe it, but Luffy's interactions with different people's backstories where he like doesn't, Nami's for example, like he doesn't listen, but he knows implicitly what is going on there and is able to empathize by you know just putting his hat on her and saying let's go and deal with Arlong like that kind of situation i think yeah it's a very atypical response because like the normal like empathetic like quote-unquote normal way to be is like i understand how you feel and that really sucks i'm so sorry what's going on and then listening to the problem yeah let Uh, me listen to your story i want to hear everything (laughs) let's sit down Imagine and Luffy is just like, like no, I, I don't, I don't gel with that. He just does whatever he wants. <laughs> well, can I just punch Arlong? That's all I want to yeah. do right now. I mean, he you know. he recognized Nami has a problem. I was going he to just... anyway. If I have a good reason, then all the better. Yeah, yeah he, exactly. He, he recognizes she has a problem. He's just like, no, I whatever it is, I'm there to help you. It doesn't matter what. Yeah. He's like the details. He doesn't even need to know it. Yeah, details be yeah. damned. 
Yeah, he recognizes pain and he's like, that's not okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think the stuff with, like, Water 7 and Ennius Lobby was, like, that, like, moment where... Uh, that's a good example of a communication breakdown between Usopp and Luffy. Uh, we talked about it with Luffy and Zoro before, um, but the when when the two of them butt heads, I guess... I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think if it relates here. I guess with Usopp's hyper fixations, maybe... Um, but also with Luffy uh, just like, well, you know, yeah, with that was also, also has immense anxiety and pride. On top of- it's yes, really I definitely, pride got yeah, I, it is a pride thing. I, you are right, Brian. That is yeah. kind of the thing that, but, Usopp but that's all part of their personality. And Usopp, you're right, Carol, that his anxiety to maintain that pride. And if we were talking about earlier about masking. His whole notion of to mm, want to be a yes. proud man well, and what that means. He even He's wears like, a mask. Exactly. <laughs> Later <laughs> yes, on, literally. Uh, he does wear that's, some sort of mask. That's that's pretty good because also um, speaking from neurodivergence, sometimes pretending that you are a someone else who is not you is you know people like when you talk about acting. You know, there's cosplayers too who are like, you know, I, I can't, I can't be myself, but when I'm in costume, I can be the character and I can move yeah. with purpose, and that's kind of like what Soga King was. Yeah, I, I believe furries have oh, that similar thing as well and... with their with their OCs. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, I was I, at a, I, a panel on China. like I think uh, neurodiversity at a convention, and one of the guys was a fursuiter who has like terrible social anxiety. He was talking about that, like his, he has like debilitating anxiety but then he puts the first suit on and he's like i can just hang out with people for usopp too it was that he didn't feel like when he really got down to the brass tacks there it was that he didn't feel like he deserved to be part of the straw hats because he wasn't you know this quote-unquote you know monster this this great the, the this great whatever yeah. i mean he he got beat up twice which fed into the anxiety that right. he was a useless crew member yeah, but he doesn't, you know, the Luffy implicitly trusts and depends and knows that he can trust and depend on all of them. And and one of the ironic things about Usopp is that in saying that he wasn't use, useful, he kind of proved his usefulness in his fight with Luffy, you know, showing how capable of a, of a person he is. But well, it also goes to show that, you know... Luffy w- implicitly knows how useful Usopp is, and more importantly, knows how um, how good of a person he is, um, and wouldn't have questioned it. It's it's Usopp. Yeah. It was Usopp. He own, he yeah. has a lot of faith in people, which yeah. uh, even when they don't deserve it, sometimes he puts yeah. his faith in a lot of people yeah. to to at least try to be better or at least to see things his way and that's yeah. what this and that's what this world and the job market specifically needs <laughs> yeah <laughs> exactly. as we're talking about yeah and yeah, i brian, think with um oh, shannon oh sorry brian i didn't No, I, I was just gonna finish that and like that's also why luffy also inspires the others because when luffy needed help in that last moment usopp took off the mask and said get up we need you what are you doing lying down there oh yeah uh, yeah for uh, this is more like mood disorder stuff but i love how uh one of my favorite scenes in all of one piece is the negative hollow scene where perona tries to use that on his top and like basically being depressed yeah. is his superpower 
He's like, I'm already negative all the time. You can, and I relate to that a lot, too. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm already I, I was like, when unseen. I remember that chapter, I was like, that's me. That's me, yeah. yeah it's it's me. not necessarily a neurodivergent thing, but it's like, I felt very seen by that. It's like, I'm a very anxious person. Uh, mm-hmm. Because it, that's an example of uh, Usopp's differences actually mattering in this particular instance. Yeah, yeah. and it's, yeah. A jo- it's played as a joke, but it's like a part of his character and it works. Like everyone it's else, a- like Zoro and everybody else is really strong, but he's already, his baseline is already so anxious and so depressed. He's like, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, Odo went out of his way to show even Luffy was susceptible to negative hollows, hollows Frankie, Zoro, Sanji, like all these powerful people. And he's just like, they can't handle this, but I can't. Mm-hmm. I mean, just showing that everyone has a, a moment to shine like that. I, yeah. I know that's a weird uh, example of uh, it, but I was uh, watching a video of uh, like a reactionary, and she was going off like, "Like too many people have yes people, not enough no people out there." Usopp's your no person, <laughs> and I'm yeah. the no person. And I can be, it's like, is this a good idea, guys? Like, I'm always, I can relate to that. It's like you don't necessarily want to be that person, but sometimes you need someone when everyone else is just when you're in a group of Luffy's I'm just doing whatever have, and like punching people. Go you're to like, that you gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like, do we really need it? It's 3 a.m. and it's like, I don't want to get the cops called on us. Do we have to do this now? That kind of stuff. Um, yeah, because I guess you could say that like Usopp's like. anxieties are like a very important part of the crew. In, it it reigns all of it, these larger than life people in. Yeah, yeah, and in that sense, it literally kept them alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think there's are, are, are there one any, more. I... Carol, yeah, oh. go ahead. Uh, yeah, there, I guess there's one more thing I want to say. And I'm curious because, uh, I'm not, uh, someone who is, uh, dyslexic or has trouble, like, reading, like, signs or stuff. I wonder because, like, one of the running gags is, of course, Zoro always getting lost. He's, he can never My be favorite. able to, uh, keep, keep track. And it's always funny, don't get me wrong, but at the same Whoa. time, Everyone trusts that he'll find his way eventually. I'm curious if that's uh, at all like related to any sort of other neurodivergent thing with it, how uh, it people actually is because I have that myself. Yeah. Uh, mm. It's so you know, there's like dyslexia and dyscalculia. There's another one I cannot think the name of it, but it's something about spatial awareness and directions, and those yeah, are all yeah. those things are are comorbid with like autism and stuff. And so when Zever Zoro is just like, all right, I'm going this way and everyone else is going the other way. I'm just like, oh, no, it's like me at conventions. I'm like, all right, like and people people will follow me because I move with purpose. And I'm like, no, I have no idea where I'm going. (laughs) What's really funny about that, and especially with the moving of purpose part, like Luffy and Zoro both have that in spades. But what's funny about Luffy, Luffy kind of moves away carefree. But Zoro literally, I think part of the macho code is implied in there as well, is where he's like, no, I'm right and everybody else is wrong. <laughs> he <laughs> yes, said that exactly. multiple times. He was like, oh, those idiots, they all got lost. And he's the one who's <laughs> lost. <laughs> I know I'm going to Grove 1, the one I'm going to. <laughs> he's just he's just like convinced that he will get there eventually. It might take hours, but he's going to get there. <laughs> I, I don't it, even... it just takes him longer to get there. Yeah, and honestly, yeah. what is that if not neurodivergence symbolized right <laughs> there? I saw someone I was... post on something recently. You remember when Zoro saved the uh, fiancé during uh, Shabadi after he encountered that uh, world noble? Mm-hmm. The fiancé got shot to... and he was like, he picked oh, up yeah, and was like, yeah, I'm going to yeah. take him With to the, the hospital. The yes. ketchup in the mm-hmm. hole, yeah. yeah. Someone was like, uh, someone, I saw someone post on a, on a, on a comment. He's like, yeah, uh, RFP, uh, spam, spam, uh, losses for that guy because he probably died on the way to the hospital. 
<laughs> the opposite direction. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> I the thing about Zoro is that he might be that person waiting to get diagnosed for the directional dyslexia. You know, because he does not know. He, I think he really assumes he's going the right way the whole time, and that's totally. part of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, like, one day, uh, maybe at the very end of the series, he'll be like, oh, wait, I have a terrible sense of direction. Maybe I should and trust And everyone will just yell at him, no shit. That would yeah. be amazing. <laughs> that actually would be a great, that would be a great way that'll, to- That'll be to, the one to, character growth everyone waited for. <laughs> but it'll happen- it, Like Zora end. just yells at everyone going, hey guys, I managed to get here correctly. I bought a map. I'm doing it. For once. <laughs> they have GPSs on snails now. It's very weird. Uh, <laughs> um, I would love to see everyone's character, like, well, not character quirks, like, uh, not get solved, but get, like, recognized by them, almost like, oh, I- Their I art's do this complete, thing. yeah. Their art complete, yeah. Um, I, and any other, uh, I, I feel like you could have this discussion with every single one of the Straw Hats, which is, I think, why it's so resonant, um, to this specific topic, particularly. Um, but are there any other, you know, characters I, or topics? I remember now? I was having trouble thinking about how Nami would fit into it. And then I remembered that, oh, no way. She's literally charting like a whole map of the world. That's like that uh, detail obsessiveness OC, to OCD, a right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And for like, we, like uh, Sanji, when he's first introduced, when he starts talking about the all blue. This is sort of drop, drop more later on, but like just how excited he gets and how he looks more like childlike, and it's like his thing that he's so happy about. I think that's definitely yeah. his. I, I like that version of Sanji. We don't. We we've been seeing it more in Whole Cake Island. I think we had a lot of Sanji talk this this whole season of fight together. <laughs> yeah, so we don't have Sanji's to get into just it. the one who it keeps coming up. It's like, man, what's up with we that guy? We almost had an episode where we didn't talk about Sanji. <laughs> But here we so are. So close. But Sanji, but Sanji actually fit. I. That's the thing. I think with this subject in particular, whether on purpose or accidentally, I think Oda hasn't really committed any heinous sins when it comes to the portrayal of uh, neurodiversity. Like I can't, I can't think because of, of because any. honestly, I wonder if it's just that he knows how to speak about it through yeah. experience because with something like gender or uh or or trans trans shit queer stuff like that stuff that uh he as a uh, cis straight dude will have to like learn about whereas like it's much easier to get something right or do it more effortlessly if you're like speaking on it through experience and considering yeah. that there is already that uh one-to-one -one with a uh, him and luffy it would not be out of the question if, Absolutely if not. that were to be the case. Well, I also I, think yeah. because the core identity of the shows and the characters, like there is no one who would be, I would consider super neurotypical, who's a main or recurring character in the series. I'm trying to think if there's any. Yeah, because everyone kind of has like, we call them their quirks, but I think that's also how he built strong characters as well. Yeah, like I'm. Who is the most normal person in One Piece? I would say Jimbei. 
in a, in <laughs> I feel a like, sense. yeah, Jafet is, is pretty... the crew, definitely. Everyone else is super weird, like has such subversions of archetypes and all this stuff, and Jinpei is more straightforward. I still think we're going to see what his quirks are when he lets his guard down similar to Robin. I hope we'll so. We'll see. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I'm, like, I'm, I'm like looking Jinbei. forward I'm, to that. Yeah, I'm like yeah. Shinji. I'm like, Jinbei, get on the damn boat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is, that is true. But like, even the most serious... Uh, badass per let's say characters in one piece all have quirks yeah like law. All- like like even robin when we all thought that she was the straight man very serious not at turned all. out she had yeah. her own stuff he turns the straight into the quirk as well like law for yes. as yeah, well law, he's like law yes. super serious law, law. Has- like turned a corner i think yeah and it's almost as if everyone that luffy touches he <laughs> gives them he he pushes the himbo or bimbo button <laughs> well, in, in their brains. Sense, yes. Like you were mentioning the mask element before, like there's no need for a mask with Luffy. It's That's the whole point of the freedom. You're right. That that's, a good, that's a good point. He's going to embrace whatever thing that you have going on. Like he's going to see the strength in it. Maybe, uh, yeah. maybe one of the, they talk about how, um, Luffy's power is bringing people together, but maybe he also has the power of just like unmasking mm-hmm. people's, you know, I get normal. Their true even. selves. Yeah. yeah. The, to like really bring out all like the Like everyone is really people. comfortable around Luffy. Or even villains <laughs> like, like Katakuri when they fight and you find yeah. out that he eats donuts laying down with his gigantic <laughs> mouth it's versus true. this like really serious violent persona. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and then, he's, like, he's really the... had a villain like that where they kind of connected that way. It's weird. Yeah, and... But they also had like simpatico powers as well. So. That's such a cool um that's that was that's such a cool example because the Katakuri is the example of I'm normal, don't look at me, I'm fine, I'm normal, don't look into this at all. And then, you know, when unmasked, literally, um, you know, nothing to be ashamed of Katakuri, but you know, loving we donuts. We all like donuts, and, it's fine. We all like <laughs> donuts, it's fine to like donuts in a little house with your giant teeth. <laughs> I mean, he's thirty feet tall. It's fine. Yeah, I like putting third eye, evil. and Sanji still think. I mean, this is Sanji or whatever, but she yes, thinks yeah. she's weird, and he still thinks she's. He still likes her. It's like, oh, it's like embracing that. Not to, not necessarily to compare neurodivergence to having three eyes, but it's again embracing the other and embracing quirks characters have. Right, and Whole Cake Island, yeah. the whole Charlotte family are those quirky quirks, you know. Like, but at the same time, it's that weird thing where Big Mom both. What is uh, this? A My Hero Academia episode? <laughs> <laughs> I understand that reference. I do too. Yeah. Uh, she she puts them down, but she also wants diversity. So it's this like very odd um, combination. Or she wants. Oh no, it, she's a good example of autism speaks because she's yes. she's she wants everyone <laughs> to be sitting at the same level at the table. Yeah, they have um, to behave themselves a certain they have way. To all, yeah, they all. She's so mean to pudding. She's like, "You're my daughter, but you're weird." You know, she right. has that kind of attitude. So, oh, like, what man. a what yeah. a good example that she's trying to do the right thing. But being a real dick she's about going it, the sometimes. wrong way. About yeah. it. Like, oh, that, for sure. That's why she's like the false king in that way. Because like yeah. her her Tato land, even though Luffy and company kind of left that in place, but like the way she was going about it was obviously hideous. She couldn't just embrace her daughter for who she was. And I imagine Katakuri might have suffered the same under Big Mom, where he's like, "Yeah, you're you giant gaping maw. I don't like it. Cover that shit up." <laughs> Eat your donuts in a little house that you make out of mochi. <laughs> don't, don't you dare <laughs> sit down. Very specific. 
But, like, also Luffy relating to an antagonist like that is, shows that, you know, he accepts people for, for their quirks, as we've been calling them, but for their, uh, for their differences, um, and doesn't care about their differences. And there's, like, a lot of bonding in that fight between the two of them. Um, and I think a lot of that bonding is just, like, being able to, you know, Katakuri, like, having, you know, battling Luffy, but really battling his own, um, his own demons. Insecurities, Insecurities, yeah. that's a better way, even, uh, uh, putting it. Um, yeah, it's, it's a, I never really, or it's been a very long, I haven't revisited Whole Cake Island since I rich, originally read it, but, Luffy, um, yeah, a lot I, of I guess that, oh, oh, continue. Oh, I was just gonna say real quick that Luffy kind of acts as, like, a, a, space or a safe space personified for people to just kind of like you know here's my deal right like yeah so mm-hmm. when when he when he's in the battle and people are kind of like reflecting upon themselves like they have even though it's a battle they still kind of feel like they have the room to do so that's a good mm-hmm. point even their yeah. even their worst intentions come out like uh doflamingo or rob lucci crocodile yeah crocodile, crocodile sure. getting angry at him yeah at his own son um no sorry that was a discussion we were having before um <laughs> what? We'll what do you know that i don't <laughs> uh, we'll find out we'll find out um sorry abby on our podcast was uh explaining how every child grows up to try and stop their crocodile father from overthrowing <laughs> monarchies oh i i thought this was gonna be a, a deeper one with the whole like uh crocodile being trans and then potentially no, it being is. Luffy's that's mom. what that's what okay. that's what she was talking about gotcha. that's it is, yeah um it's all interrelated um but that's for an episode we already did um <laughs> <laughs> Should, let, let's do a series on one piece conspiracy theories okay. that's the whole podcast <laughs> i thought i was gonna say we do that every week what is a headcanon um, okay. except a conspiracy theory mm. that's true. true i guess that that's the last thing i was gonna say is that um uh, much like how uh, when, like, if we were to watch anything from pre-1980s or something, where it's like, it's really hard to find trans representation, so a lot of it is headcanon. It's the same with neurodivergence. There's a lot of uh, headcanon going on with, like, the whole community. There, Like, a lot of people like to have their headcanons of various different characters from all sorts of different franchises, anime, TV, whatever. So it's I, it's good to embrace that. Yeah. I, I think with both of the topics, and I, you know, I've you know, I think with transgender as well, you know, there there are a lot of people who represent those things, but stay either in the dark or in the dark about it or closeted about it, and portray it in in media. Um, and I. Th- think yeah sometimes it is definitely head cadence you know and, and for the fans and sometimes and, and maybe in this case with, with one piece it is actually just something that is coming out of the creator's head because that that's what's going on in the creator's head um i mean we'll never know f- well i don't think we're gonna know for sure anytime soon i'll put it that way but um might be part of it i don't know mm-hmm. any other thoughts <laughs> I think that's uh that's it for me right as of as of right now yeah. All right, so Carol, where could uh where could people find you? Where could people find your work? 
Uh, you could find me on mainly on Twitter at Carol Avery Grant. Uh, that's it. No spaces. Exactly how it's spelled. Um, I also have a website where I occasionally post uh, some of the scripts that I write. It's itmecarol.wordpress.com. And you could also find my uh, writings on uh, Vice and IndieWire and uh, Little White Lies, a bunch of other places that are on my Twitter bio. So, yeah. Thank you, Carol. And Tommy, it was great having you on. Uh, where uh, could people find you? Um, I'm, yeah, I'm mostly on Twitter, too, uh, at Elemeno, E-L-L-A-M-E-N-O. Um, I have a pinned tweet there if you want to find other websites where I post my stuff. But uh, yeah, because of my ADHD, I kind of just bop around to whatever sort of hobby interests me and make stuff for that. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm active on there. I post a lot of uh, things that I create. I talk a lot about disability, uh, justice, and things like that. So And just spew headcanons everywhere. So if that's the stuff that you're into, you can follow me there. Headcanons for all. Headcanons for all. <laughs> Maybe we should be naming this uh, episode Headcanons. Um, <laughs> uh, Brian, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter, uh, Dark King Zoro, all one word. Uh, yeah, watch episodes of um, Rick and Morty. I, I, I didn't work on season five, but I did contribute to one character for season five, so I, I hope they do that character justice. Uh Teen Titans Go. I haven't worked on that in a while. Tig and Seek, HBO Max, if you got it, check it out. Buddy, my buddy's show. Uh, Abed wrote an episode of Tig and Seek. <laughs> this should be coming oh, out cool. season two. And then uh, the new Rugrats is coming. Where I'm just ruining everyone's childhood. That's what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yay! 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 Yeah, ruining so. childhood. Um, I'm so proud. <laughs> it, I thought it looked cool. Um, I, it, we got yeah. a lot of the same cast and crew from the original, so yeah yeah that's i'm i'm excited for it i'm I'm gonna have a kid so i could ex- expose them to exactly the same things that i watched when i was a little Hope, kid so hopefully we we'll keep their little bean attention <laughs> i'm just gonna sit them in front of the television all day um that's that's good right um shannon where can people find you you can find me on twitter at plenty of alcoves uh struggle session is at struggle sesh and critical bits is at critical bitcast and if you go on YouTube and type in like fake friends, parasocial or stretchy movies, you'll find my video essays. Yeah, that's they're all they're all really great and, and definitely worth a watch if, if you haven't. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, th- this was a lot of fun. You can find me, by the way, Zach underscore Logan. I have been fixated on One Piece for 12 years, doing 600 plus episodes of a podcast about it for some reason. Um, but I, I love it and I'm really happy, uh, we've had another great season going through One Piece, um, and look forward to doing more Fight Together episodes, uh, in the future. We're going to do an episode with Brian, Shannon, and I just going through a, a lot of this, um, I learned a lot time. in this episode for sure, too. Oh, yeah, me too. No, I, I, it's, it's so, I, I'm grateful, beyond grateful to, to be doing this series and really get to talk to people about you know issues i know nothing about or very little about um it's i really do appreciate that opportunity um you could follow fight together uh on there's a separate feed on apple podcasts and spotify so please check us out there we're also in the main one piece podcast feed and you can follow us at one piece podcast there 
Our regular podcast is every Monday, uh, where we go through the latest chapter and episode and never have enough time to go through stuff like this. So I'm really glad we get to do this. If you have ideas for future episodes of Fight Together, please don't hesitate to send those. Um, we already have a lot, but there's always more. Um, so excited for that. Um, but until next time, uh, my name is Zach, and we'll see you later. Goodbye. Y'all take care. Yay. Later. Bye. Get up.